Well, I want to thank Pastor Brian for having me. It's a great honor to be with you here. I'm telling you, I've met a lot of people, but man, there's just something about Pastor Brian. You get around him, you're like, I like this guy, <laughs> you know, and I've only known him for a short while, but every time I get around him, he always has something to impart. He always has some nugget, some revelation to, to that he's just constantly speaking out all the time, and I'm just like constantly grabbing him, grabbing him. We're driving, we're eating lunch or something. I said, what did you say again? I said, say that again. That was powerful. I'm telling you, you have one of the best pastors in America right now. And I, I've seen some posts that this church, and I, I totally agree with it. There's people uh, around the country saying, man, they've watched stuff online, they've heard preaching, and there's a handful of churches that they would personally go to, and this is one of those churches. So you are privileged to be here. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'll t go ahead and open with a, a joke while you turn to uh, Ephesians 5.18. I heard you talking about jokes in the back. So this is for Pastor Nicole. So Ephesians 5.18. There was an uh, old prospector back in the 1880s. He... Uh, Came into town after being out a long, long time, mining for gold, really didn't do very well. So he came into town, and he was riding his mule, and he tied his mule up right outside a saloon. And he got off. He was getting ready to go in and get refreshed from after being out. And uh, about that time, these old cowboys, they were drunk. They came walking out of the saloon, and he was tying up his mule, and one of them saw him. And uh, he said, I'm going to mess with this guy. He had his six-shooter, pulled it out. And he said, old prospector, have you ever danced? And he pointed the gun at him. The prospector said, no. Cowboy said, you're gonna. And he started shooting right at his feet. So he started dancing, the old prospector. But while he was dancing, he was counting. And as soon as he got to six, the old prospector reached back to his mule and grabbed a double-barrel shotgun, and he laid it right up underneath the chin of that old cowboy. The prospector says, he says, Old cowboy, he says, have you ever kissed a mule? <laughs> cowboy says, nope, but I've always wanted to. <laughs> that one's just for you, Pastor Nicole. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, I'm expecting a miracle. There are miracles passing coming towards you and passing by you every moment of every day. It's up to us whether we reach out and grab that miracle and say it's mine. Just like the blind man, he reached out because he heard that Jesus was passing by. Your miracle, whatever you need, is passing by you every minute of every day of every hour. But it's up to us whether we reach out and grab that miracle. Amen? Go ahead and shout, I'm expecting a miracle. Go ahead and raise your right hand and say, I'm expecting a miracle. Jump up on your feet and shout, I'm expecting a miracle. Raise your hands and say, I'm expecting my miracle. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a great shout. Hallelujah. Man, this is wonderful. I'm glad to be here with you. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm sure we'll do that quite a bit more once you hear this message. I was coming down here, and man, I was praying in the car, 
And the Holy Spirit would just fill the car. And man, I'm crying and snotting and praying in tongues, just enjoying the presence of God. Amen. And when I got here this morning, the Lord, right when I woke up, changed everything that I was going. Gave me a brand new message, fresh, hot off the press for today. Amen. And I didn't know who was preaching here when Barrett was giving that uh, introduction. I was like, man, who's this guy? He must be great. I don't know who she's talking about. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. But just remember, when you sow, either here at church for your normal tithes and offerings, or you sow into a guest minister, or even missions somewhere, remember that when you give, you're not giving to that person. You're not giving to the organization. You're giving to the Lord. Because men receive it here on the earth. But the Bible says, it says, Jesus himself receives your offering in heaven. So every time that you give, don't take it lightly. Because when you put it in that basket, it might be received by Boomerang Church. They might collect it, they count it, distribute it where it needs to go. But Jesus himself sees and records your offering. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I was driving by all sorts of Halloween stuff on the way down here. I was like, man, like people are so fascinated with spiritual things it's like they're so fascinated with the occult and witches and like power and spiritual i mean mumbo jumbo and i was just thinking i was like man i was like if people only knew the power that was available to them and uh i was sitting there this morning and of course i noticed all the uh drinks out in the lobby and the lord started talking to me he's like you get free, free refills on those. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're in America. I'm, I'm, I'm back in America. I was just in Italy. And uh, you don't get free refills over there. So we live in the greatest land of the entire world because we get free refills and all the ice that we want. Hallelujah. I am proud to be an American. Now, this morning, if you wanted to title the message, you could go ahead and title it Free Refills. Or, can I have a refill? I remember last time we were here, we were at the restaurant. The waitress was bringing around the refills of drinks and everything like that. And Pastor Brian took all of them right down his back when she spilt the tray. It was pretty funny. He, he surprised me because I don't, I don't know what I would have done in that, that situation. He just looks back. He says, oh, that was refreshing. <laughs> I was like, that was a great comment. Now, Ephesians 5.18. Now, you're probably there, but I'm not even there yet, so I'll hurry up and get there. Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't be drunk with wine. Of course, this is a New Living Translation. I normally use the King James. It says, because that will ruin your life. Ha! That's a good one right there. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Free refills. So we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, we've read about, I know this is a Pentecostal church. You're a Pentecostal people been around you just a little bit, and uh, we all know that the book of Acts, of course, the Holy Spirit came on Acts chapter 2. They're all with one accord in the upper room, 120 there. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. But is that it? 
Is that the only time we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit? No. We're supposed to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. If you actually break that down, where it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, it actually means be ye being filled. It means a continual action, something that's continually happening. Kind of like when you finish your Coke and you go back up there and you push it back under at McDonald's and you fill that joker back up and you drink it down again and then you fill it up right before you leave. I don't know if you do that, but I definitely do that. Get the most. Definitely when I go to Chick-fil-A. Barry was talking about food earlier. I said, man, I fed my flesh on the way down here, stopped at Chick-fil-A, got a deluxe. Then I said, give me the strips as well. But I love Chick-fil-A because you always get the sweet tea. I do the half and half with the lemonade. Phenomenal stuff. They call it an Arnold Palmer. If you never tried it, you're welcome. No, but I'm going to be serious today. I'm going to try to. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens? I'm going to get through some stuff here. I'm going to lay some groundwork. Then I'm going to start telling you some powerful stories. Amen? Amen. Now, what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? One, I'm glad you asked. We receive power and authority. The book of Acts says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. What is this power for? To do something. To walk like Jesus walked. For greater works, like Jesus said. He says, "Though you, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these shall you do. So that means you have the power and ability to do stuff that Jesus never did on the earth. That's powerful if you think about it. So we have power. Acts 1.8, if you want to write it down. I'll read it. A lot of people, they stop at the Great Commission... And they think, oh, that's the last thing that Jesus ever said to everybody. He commissioned us to go out and win the lost. But actually, he said this. He said, starting in verse 4, he said, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is actually the one that baptizes. So he was telling them, hey, I'm getting ready to baptize you. Don't go anywhere. Acts 1.8, says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, but go, before I go any further, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting all of you, but I'll just introduce myself. I'm Stephen from Florida. I'm a farm boy. That's about all you need to know. But I've had an encounter with God. Amen. Now, second thing that happens, I had to write these things down because, man, they were coming to me quick this morning. Passion for the lost. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you get connected to the heart of God. Because there's one thing that God is concerned about here on the earth. He's not willing that one should perish. Amen? Amen. We can live our Christian lives going and come to church, read our Bible, praise, do everything, but never really be connected to the heart of God. The heart of God is souls, and that's what this ministry is connected to. And that's why this ministry is one of the best to come to, because they're after the heart of God. They're after people. God cares about people. He doesn't want one person to be lost. Amen? But how's he going to reach them? He's already done everything he possibly can. He sent Jesus. Jesus paid for the price of sin. Now Jesus is in heaven. That's why Jesus said, now I'm sending you, but you need power. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we receive a passion for the lost. 
Number three, we're led by the Spirit. Now we have a new guide. We have a new teacher, a comforter, someone there that is actually helping us live this life. Because without the Holy Spirit, we're alone, we're by ourselves. You can look in the Old Testament. A lot of them, they got into some things that they shouldn't have got into. They didn't have that extra help. It says those of the Old Covenant, it says they looked forward and they wished, they were longing for what we have now. Amen? We actually become little Christs here on the earth. We have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead available to fill and live within us. Amen? Hallelujah. It's powerful. And I'm telling you, I felt that spirit last night driving in my car. All I got to do is lift my hands up. Sometimes I'll just get alone in my room. Sometimes you get busy with the things of life and you kind of forget, hey, the Holy Spirit's right there with me to help me in everything. So I'll kind of lock, go and close the door, get down on my knees, or I might go walk off in the woods. My wife not know where I'm at, just praying. I'll just lift my hands. Jesus. All of a sudden, it's like he's there. I feel him. Amen? So we have a leader. So I'll tell you a quick, quick story. I'll read some more scripture. But I was just in Wisconsin yesterday. So I was finishing up a bird hunt with my family. So thankful for that, getting to see my grandfather. I haven't seen him in a while since I've really been in the ministry, just running. But it's what I asked the Lord to do, so he made sure he answered that prayer. So we were up there, we were bird hunting, and man, it was my first time bird hunting. I, I mean, I've shot a lot of skeet and stuff like that with shotguns, but never really went pheasant hunting. So we're out there, and we're hunting and stuff, and it's the last day. And I shot this bird. He went down into the cornfield, and they just started clearing the corn up there because it's harvest time. So all the farmers, everybody, they are super busy. So they're taking the corn down, and I watched the bird go down. I ran over there, made sure, I made sure he wasn't getting up. And then I turned around, and there's more birds get coming out. So my brother calls for me. He says, get back over here. So I was like, okay. We got dogs out there with us, so they'll come and find the bird. So I run out of the corn, go back and start shooting more. Then uh, the end of the day comes, and the guy we were hunting with, he, he's the one that had the dogs. His name's Perry. So he stayed there. He said, I'll, I'll find your bird. You go ahead, go to the next pond, and you'll be able to shoot some more. I said, okay. So we got back to the barn, and I'm like, hey, did you find that bird? He said, no, man, I didn't find that bird. I said, you're kidding me. I said, I know that bird's out there because I made, I made sure. <laughs> he wasn't going nowhere. So it kind of like this zeal come on the inside. I mean, I'm going to find this bird. He's like, man, I said, I'm sorry. I was out there with the dog. We looked for like 30 minutes. He says, I went up and down. It's about a, a 20 acres that they cleared. Of course, they got tracts of land out there. You go to South Dakota, it's, I mean, land as far as the eye can see, just corn and soybeans and everything so it's dark now I got my little flashlight on my iPhone I'm like you know what I'm gonna find this bird I'm like I'm gonna do it marching out there and uh because I got a better nose than a, a bird dog right <laughs> so I'm like man I know that that bird is down I know he's sitting there in the field if we don't find him we're gonna waste the bird so I start praying I said Lord you're gonna have to help me you're gonna have to help me find this bird I said, I don't know where it's at. They were out there with the dogs. I said, you got to help me. I know it's out here. So I'm walking out there. I'm just walking down the cornfield. All of a sudden, like alongside of the cornfield, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit starts speaking to me, just like you would do in a service or when I'm praying for somebody. And I'm sure like a lot of you have heard, just the voice of the Lord starts speaking to me. He said, turn in. I said, okay. 
started walking into the corn, walking in, walking in, walking in. All of a sudden, I hear it again. He says, you're too far. So I stopped, kind of went back, started walking down the aisles, turned around, didn't hear much. After about 10 to 15 minutes, I'm looking with this phone, and these birds are like camouflaged when they're on the ground, definitely with the corn. So I'm out there looking, looking, looking. I'm like, all right, I'm almost done. One more time, it says, keep going. I was like, okay. I know that was the Lord. I'm going to keep walking. Walked about 10 more steps, and the bird was sitting right there on the ground. So I picked him up. Actually, I lifted my hands. I said, thank you, Lord, that you can speak to me, and you care even about a bird that I shot. So the Lord cares about every detail of your life. We just have to acknowledge him. He sent us his Holy Spirit to help us with everything in this life. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. He's with us just like Jesus was with his disciples. Jesus was with his disciples 24-7 for three years until Jesus went home. And he said, don't worry, I'm going to send you another comforter to be with you, to never leave you, to never forsake you. So I picked that bird up. I walked, marched back to the barn, held it up, said, I found it. They said, you got to be kidding me. He said, I was out there with the dog for 30 minutes and couldn't find that thing. He says, that's impossible. I said, you want to know how I found it? They weren't saved. I said, let me tell you. Told them the whole story. They said, wow, couldn't believe it. So I didn't get the opportunity to pray with Perry, but I know I'll get to pray with him soon. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We get led by the Holy Spirit. I'll read you a couple scriptures for that. Go ahead and turn to John 3. Eight. Now, when I preach, I like to load it down with Scripture because, well, I've seen the more Scripture I've had, and I've heard even Billy Graham would do this too, the more Scripture he would have in his sermon, the more powerful the services, more people would get saved. And I've seen the same thing happen. I, I put it to the test. The more Scripture I put in my messages, the more God moves. He has more of that word to move on somebody's heart. So, John 3, verse 8. It says, The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people born of the Spirit are. Of course, that's New Living Translation. It says, Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God in Romans 8.14. But it says, those that are led by the Spirit, you can't tell this where they're going and where they're coming from. So we have the ability to be led by the Spirit. So what happens? We receive power. We receive authority to walk on the earth like Jesus walked. We have a passion for the lost. How many people have been here have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden you started looking at somebody while you're standing in the, in the line at the grocery store? You're like, man, I wonder if they're saved. Or you're, or you're sitting down, and you're like, man, I wonder if my waitress knows Jesus. That's, that, that's the heart of God that you're feeling. We get an opportunity to be led by the Spirit, and then four, we're changed. You become a brand new person when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Brand new. Ephesians 3.19. I read 3.18 to you. Actually, I think I read both of them, but I'll read it again. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Nope. I'll come back to that in a second. So I'm going to tell you a story about being changed. Then I'll get to tell you a little bit about my testimony, and then I'll try and continue. 
The Holy Spirit is a subject that is so intimate to my heart because when I encountered the Holy Spirit, everything changed. I grew up in church, grew up, I'm not going to tell you denomination and everything because the church is the church. I hate talking about the church, I mean, because it's the bride of Christ. But I grew up and I was lacking something in this church. So eventually, I strayed away. But when I encountered the Holy Spirit is when my life changed, when everything changed. It was the difference maker in my life. So I'll tell you about uh, a South African guy. His name was Van Furen. So if you're South African, it's like Van Furen or something like that. Can't really pronounce it properly. I might spit on you, so I'll back up if I say it again. But this was a farmer, and man, I'm attracted to like stories about farmers and stuff because I grew up on the farm. I grew up going out there in the orange groves, driving the tractor, singing songs that I learned at church and stuff like that. I mean, I just love being out harvesting and being like out in the field. So Fon Furen, he was a farmer, and he came down with tuberculosis. He was in South Africa and couldn't get healed. Doctors didn't know what to do with him. So they sent him north of the country to try and like where it was a little drier so he could see, maybe live a little bit longer, get something together for his kids. So Fon Furen's there with his wife. He's saved. Fon Furen knows the Lord. His wife isn't saved. He's been believing for his wife to get saved. And all of a sudden, a couple weeks go by, and he gets a letter from his nephew. He says, Uncle, he says, I had to tell you about this. He says, there was a man named John G. Lake. He came through, and I went to his service. He says, when I was in there, he says, you know I was in a wheelchair. He prayed for me, and I came out of that wheelchair. Now I can walk, all because he prayed for me. He's like, man, he's like, that's awesome. That's amazing testimony. He's like, wow, didn't really know God still did that. A couple weeks after that, he gets another one from like one of his nieces. He says, hey, do you remember how I was addicted to uh, alcohol? Guess what? I went to a John G. Lake service. He prayed for me, and I haven't had a desire for it since. So now he's just like stirred in his heart, just stirred in his heart. He's like, man, he's like, there's something that I'm missing. So he goes out in the cornfield. He takes his Bible. He's laying there, and he's praying, oh, God, I need you. God, the God of John G. Lake, he says, I need you. I need your touch. I don't want to die. He says, you got to heal me. You've healed my nephew. You can still do it. He says, you got to heal me. All of a sudden, That same Holy Spirit that we have today came upon Von Vuren back then, and the power and the fire of God hit him right in the corn, and he began to shake, and instantly that tuberculosis and everything that was wrong with his lungs came out of his lungs, and he was completely healed. Amen? Amen. But it didn't stop there. That farmer, he got up, and he dusted himself off, didn't really, I mean, crying and snotting the whole works, got the waterworks going on. I mean, because a lot of people are like, well... You can come into church and you can lift your hands and you might feel the goosebumps or you might see a tear come down your cheek. That, that's a sign that the Holy Spirit's moving. Okay. Right. When you encounter the supernatural God, when your flesh encounters super, I'm telling you, that super comes on your natural. Something is going to happen so much so to where you even see it in your emotions. It happened so much so in the upper room, they felt the Holy Spirit on their bodies and through their bodies so much so that they said they looked like they were drunk when they walked outside. So Von Vuren gets up and he walks into the house 
all of a sudden his wife that wanted nothing to do with church, nothing to do with it, she hated God. She took one look at Von Buren when he walked in the house and she hits the floor and she says, what must I do to be saved? I need God. And she miraculously gets saved right there. All he had to do was walk in the door. The glory of God was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Then, after a period of weeks, he starts getting all of his family saved, starting to pray for all of them. Then he starts getting his neighbors saved, going up and down everywhere. And every day he'd go back to the cornfield, God, I need a fresh touch. God, I need you. God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, you're wonderful. Just worshiping the Lord, loving on the Lord. And he'd get filled with that spirit, and then he'd get up and he'd go minister to somebody. But one day he was out on the corn, and God spoke to him. He said, I want you to go to the premier's office, the prime minister. At the time, his name was Louis Buda. He, of course, back then, you can kind of like call and kind of have scheduled meetings and stuff like that. So he called, got the secretary. He walks into Louis Buda's office. This is a farmer, not a Bible school student, not a minister of the gospel, not a five-fold minister, a farmer. Walks into the office of Louis Buda. And he's sitting there at his desk, the prime minister of a country. He sees Von Furen walk in. His body starts to shake, and he slides out of his chair and goes under his desk and starts repenting. God, save me. God, save me. Save me of my sin. And what happened? Louis Buddha sits down, and after he kind of comes up from the desk, the testimony that the prime minister had of a farmer walking in that had the glory of God on him, he said, I knew Von Furen. He says, I saw him in the fields. He says, I knew who he was. He was a good man. But when he walked into my office that day, it was not Von Furen. He says, he opened the door. He says, he looked like God. He walked like God. And he talked like God. And he said, I knew that God was real when he walked in the door that day. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. God is not a respecter of persons. Amen? If he did it for one, he can do it for us. Amen? Who is here this morning that says, God, let your glory come upon my life and use me in such a way that I can even get around people and the power of God will touch their life? If that's you, shout amen. 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 Of course, I'm sure uh, Pastor Brian's told you about Smith Wigglesworth. If you haven't heard about him, he's an old English evangelist. He was a plumber into his 50s. Got miraculously saved. Started preaching. Raised the dead many, many times. Great, great man. Worth reading his books. Worth reading about his biography. Reading about his life. Well, he used to preach. And his wife actually used to be the preacher before him. He would like be so mean. He, would be, he was like the nastiest man. I'm, I'll tell you one story. He was so nasty to his wife and would drink and everything. One night, he pushed his wife out the door locked the door, and went to bed. Next morning, he gets up to go get the paper. His wife is laying there on the porch. He opens the door, kind of kicks her to wake her up. She hops up, says, good morning, honey. Can I make you breakfast? Now, you kind of question, man, would I do that to my husband? Lock me out. (laughs) I'd shoot him. No. (laughs) I know my wife probably would. She's the sweetest thing. But so... That moment right there actually impacted his life so much that he ended up getting saved because of the love of God that his wife showed towards him. But, he was, but it shows you how nasty of a man that he was. 
nasty man, but radically got saved. He was a plumber. So, of course, you know he probably had the plumber's crack to go along with it because all of them seem to have it for some reason. It's, a, it's pretty weird. <laughs> but anyways, back to the story. I'm, I told you I was going to be serious. So he gets radically saved, and when he would start preaching, his wife would say, that's not my Smitty. That's not my Smitty. That's not him. It's some other man. When we receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are changed into another kind of being. Amen? It says we become a new creation. Amen? Hallelujah. We have the Spirit of the living God. The Spirit that was there on the day of the cross, the Spirit that was there on the hovering over the waters when the uh, foundations of the earth were being laid, that Spirit now rests upon us and fills us. Amen? Amen? So, I told you what happens. Now, why are we filled? We are filled because God is seeking to save the lost. Luke 19.10, you can look it up later. I'll read you another one. Acts 1.8, we are filled to be a witness. So we're supposed, it's all about people. Everything that we do is about people. It's about the lost. It's about the kingdom. It's about advancing the kingdom. That's what everything is about. So we have to remember that. Why are we rolling on the floor? Why are we speaking in tongues? Why are we shaking and quaking? Why are we getting touched radically? Why is God healing our heart? Why is He doing anything? Because what God does to you, He wants to do through you. If God touches you, He's going to touch through you the same way to the level of what you were touched. Amen? We have to allow Him to come and do the work. We have to allow Him to come and fill us so we can be a body holy and fully flooded with God Himself. Amen? You know the Bible says that? It says you can be full. It's in one of the Ephesian prayers. Paul prayed. He says, I pray that you be fully flooded with God Himself. You can be like the tabernacle used to house the Holy Spirit. Of course, it was the tent first out in the wilderness. Then it was the tabernacle. And of course, when Jesus died, the veil was rent. The Holy Spirit came out never to dwell within a building again, but to dwell within the hearts of men. So that spirit dwells within us. You become the tabernacle of God. You become the ambassador of God. You represent heaven. When you walk in the room, just like when Von Furen walks in, the power and the presence of heaven itself walks in the room with you. It's not a, it's something light to think about. You become a God person on this earth. Just like when Peter was walking and they laid the people in the street. And his very shadow healed the people. That's not a normal man walking down the road. That's a God man. That's someone that's carrying God himself on the inside of him. And that's what we can carry today. Amen? Amen. Now, you might have been filled with the Holy Spirit before, but you can get filled again. It doesn't matter. Now, if you've only been filled once, you've only encountered God once and experienced a touch of the Holy Spirit once, well, I want to tell you, you need one more. You have to have another one. You can't just live off of one touch. One touch will change you. One touch will radically change your life, but you have to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we receive the Holy Spirit to be a witness, to display God's power in the earth. Amen? Those are the two things. Two, be a witness. Say, I will be a witness. I will be a witness. And I will display God's power. I will 
Amen? It says in Second Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro through the earth, looking for someone to show himself strong in. Man, that scripture, the first time I heard it when I was just starting Bible school, rocked me. Because the preacher posed the question, he said, what is God looking at when he looks at your house? Does he find someone that he can show himself strong in? Rocked my heart. I said, man, Lord, let me always be found as someone that you can show yourself strong in. Amen? God uses ordinary people. I'm going to read you this. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. The book of Acts, chapter 4. Book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12. So we went over what happens when we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive power. We receive a passion for the lost. We receive a new comforter. We're led. We can be taught. And we're changed into a new being. We know we're filled to be a witness and to display God's power. You say, well, man, I don't feel like I'm necessarily called into the ministry. I mean, I'm not in Bible school. I mean, I just work a normal job. I have a family. It doesn't matter. God uses ordinary people. I mean, you can take the smartest doctor, the smartest somebody. I don't know why I said doctor, but just take somebody super smart, like a nuclear scientist or something like that. And you can try and get them to plug into the ministry or something like that but they're too smart and they can't receive the simple things of the kingdom because they overthink the stuff. You have to receive it as a little child. Everything is by faith in the kingdom. And I know Pastor Brian teaches you about faith. Amen. So I'll start in verse 12. It says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the members of the council were amazed. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. I kind of like to think about the demoniac when he got saved, when Jesus stepped on the shore and he came running out of the caves, falls at his feet, Jesus casts the devils out of him, and he begs, let me follow you, let me go with you and be one of your disciples. Jesus says, no, go over to Decapolis, which means ten cities, and tell them what I've done for you immediately Jesus put him in the ministry. A normal person, people called crazy, and God put him in the ministry. It says they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Hallelujah. When people look at you, do they think, man, that person reminds me of Jesus. That person reminds me of the Lord. Man. But since they could see... The man who had been healed standing right there among them. So they just healed a man. Of course, they healed the crippled beggar, pulled him up, started walking, leaping and shouting. So miracles are the difference maker. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker. So if they didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't have been able to heal that man and pull him up, which astounded the council that made them freeze and not able to do anything against them. Listen to what it says here. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they've performed miraculous signs, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. 
So when a miracle happens, everyone knows about it. So the demonstration is the game changer. The Holy Spirit is the game changer. Say, I have the game changer. So go down to verse 21. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Hallelujah. So when you have the Holy Spirit and you demonstrate and you walk in the power of God, it even stops your enemies from being able to mess with you. Hallelujah. Everything revolves around it. That's why Jesus said, he said, don't go anywhere. He said, you have to have this. You have to be filled. You have to be flooded with God himself. Because if you don't, it's going to be hard for you. But it's not going to be hard for you because I'm going to give you my same spirit. That spirit that made me victorious in every area of life. That made me be able to walk through a wall and come to you and breathe on you. The same spirit that literally he could take mud and clay and spit and heal somebody's eyes. The same spirit that made him walk upon the water. That spirit now belongs to us. But we have to get hungry and we have to get thirsty and continually seek after the Lord. It's not just one touch. It's a daily relationship thing. God wants to be a part of your every day. Now, one more quick thing, and then i got to tell you a powerful testimony, if that's okay. Now, they didn't tell me what time you get out of here, so I'm not going to ask now because i got a lot more Scripture to read. Hallelujah. Uses ordinary people. So how are we filled? Last thing. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? One, ask. We have to pray. So Luke 11, 9 through 11. Who asks the Father for the Spirit will give you the Spirit. It also it, Actually, I'll turn and read it there because it's such a good scripture. So Luke 11, verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if, you, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if, you, if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Hallelujah. So we have to ask. We have to receive it by faith. Jesus is the baptizer. So what's one clear sign that you need a fresh filling, that you need your cup to overflow again? You start getting offended. You used to come to church. You used to be so excited to get there you would get home and you would read your bible you'd put on worship music all of a sudden you get a little irritated no i need some time i need to break away from that stuff I need to watch the tv or you're you're always on facebook you're not as hungry as you were for the word you're not as uh passionate about the things of god you used to talk about it to your friends every time you're talking about like you're on the phone or something like that the conversation always leads to god it always leads to what God's doing in your life, something along those lines. But it's like, uh, it's kind of waning a little bit. All of a sudden, people are getting on your nerves easier. You find those things of the flesh, like, man, I'm getting angry. 
It's like some things just can set you off at the snap of a hat, and you're like, man, it's like, where did that come from? That's a clear sign. Hey, I need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Two, the laying on of hands. I'll give you some scriptures because y'all are taking notes. You can tell that Pastor Brian preaches a lot of good stuff because when people take notes a lot and you don't tell them to take notes, that's because they're passing out some nuggets. And I know your pastor always throws them out continually. I Actually, I started a, uh, a note section in here, Pastor, what Pastor Brian says. Amen. <laughs> I even recorded funny stuff too. Acts 8.17, when Peter and John, and it says they laid their hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 19.6, Paul laid his hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 9.17, Ananias laid his hands on Paul and Paul received the Holy Spirit. In Deuteronomy, it talks about Joshua. When Moses laid his hands upon him, Joshua received the Spirit of Wisdom. Amen? So we can receive it by the laying on of hands. Or we can ask and receive it in prayer. So no one has to touch you at all. The Holy Spirit can actually come upon you even as you sit in your seat right now. Even when you go home. Even when you're by yourself. When you're driving in your car. My favorite time is when I'm driving in my car. Because when I first started like really seeking after the Lord, I would get in my car and I would turn worship music on and I would just worship and sing. I really didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I was at a, a Pentecostal church in Tampa. And... They were kind of like starting to groom me for like youth pastor and stuff like that. I played the guitar and uh, really wasn't very good at it. So you're, you're blessed because you have someone that can actually play. So I was there. I was playing the guitar, and I, they gave me a key to the sanctuary. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to church. I'm just hungry for the Lord. I'm like zealous. I'm like, man, like God, I'm saved. Man, this is wonderful. So going to the church, and this is like right at the end of high school when I really started making, like, man, because I had an encounter with God in a field that I'll tell you about. God saved my life. So I'm in the church. I unlock the church. I go in there. I would go by myself, and I would just take my guitar, and I would sit up front, and I'd sit on the stairs, and I would just strum my guitar and try and sing at the top of my lungs because no one was there. I know I didn't have to worry about being on tune or anything like that because the Lord really doesn't judge you on that. He receives the praise. Thank you, Jesus. There's some of you here like, thank you, Lord. So I'm in there, and, man, I started to have encounters with the Holy Spirit the more I got hungrier for God. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is so precious to me, and this is what I want to get across to you this morning, that you can receive a, a refilling any time of day or night whenever you want. The tap's there. It's a free refill. All you got to do is just go put your cup under it. So I'm at the church, and I'm singing all of a sudden, and now I'm, I'll just tell you, I'm a little Baptist boy, not knowing anything about the Holy Spirit. Only encounter with the Holy Spirit I had was when I was saved at five years old in a Billy Graham crusade. The power of God came on me. I shook and cried all night. My parents didn't know what was wrong with me. They carried me. They put me in bed. Craziest thing. Never had anything happen like that since until I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Didn't know what it was. My parents didn't know what it was. So I'm in the church, all of a sudden, I'm just walking up and down the aisles, I'm worshiping, I put my guitar down, I'm crying, I mean, I just don't know, I'm just so in love with Jesus, I'm just so in love with the Lord, 
I just, man, I just, I got to have more. I knew there was more. I, I had to have more. So I hear people like talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and stuff like that. Didn't know what it was. Nobody ever prayed for me or anything like that. Even when I got filled, nobody prayed for me. So if someone lays hands on you, you don't, and you don't get filled, it doesn't matter. You can get it by yourself. So I'm in the church, and I walk up there, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, I'm going to get down on my knees. So I get down, my, I'm lifting my hands, I'm just worshiping God. Really didn't know nothing in those days. So if you don't think you know anything, it's okay. It doesn't matter. God will honor your worship and praise. So all of a sudden, now I'm like, man, I'm going to lay down. I'm just worshiping God, laying down in the front. The sanctuary is quiet. No one's there. All of a sudden, I hear somebody. I hear someone walking. I'm like, all right, someone's here. I'm like, man, I can start wiping my face and stuff. Like, man, I don't want to be embarrassed, you know. They probably, I'm like, man, they probably heard me singing all this stuff. Like, man, I'm going to embarrass myself, be a retard. So I look underneath the seats. I don't see anybody. I kind of sit up, look over the pews. No one's in there. It's like, okay. Maybe I'm cool. I'll, I'll lay back down. I started worshiping the Lord and just laying there. All of a sudden, I hear it again. I hear someone like walking down the aisle. Like, man, I know I hear someone. It's like snap my neck around, looking underneath the pews. Somebody's in here. Okay, nothing. I lay back down again. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay. I was like, I know I'm by myself. I was like, I know this is God. I said, God, I'm going to lay here as long as I can. So I'm laying on that ground and just worshiping the Lord. I hear it again. Just hear the footsteps. And I'm laying there. All of a sudden, my body begins to shake. And I hear those footsteps. I'm telling you, when you got a testimony, you start telling it, it starts happening again. Amen? So I'm laying there, and I feel those footsteps walk up to me. And my body begins to shake and shake and shake. And they stop, like, right next to my head. And all of a sudden, I was so scared and so terrified that I just opened my eyes and said, that's enough. And I set up. Man, you retard. You could have got baptized with the Holy Ghost right then. Went for another year or so without it. So I get up. I'm like, man, that was it. That was crazy. I didn't know what was happening. My body was literally shaking because God was in the room. So when I finally got filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you this. I heard about Bible school because I was sitting in the back of the church, back there, probably right where you are, and I'm sitting in the back row. They call me a back row Baptist on there. That's fine. So I sat back there, and I, I started getting mad at the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, is this what, what church is all about? Is this what it's about? Just coming and babysitting old people? There were some old people in there. Don't hate me now. I said, if this is it, if this is what I left everything for, I said, I don't want it. I said, I'm out. I said, either I, I, I said, I can't stay for the small stuff. I said, either I see what I see in the Bible or I'm done. I can't have it. The Lord clearly spoke to me. He said, go to Bible school and go on a mission trip. So, went to Bible school, went on a mission trip. Come back from the mission trip, saw some crazy stuff, still not filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm hungry, man. I'm like, I'll leave everything if I can just have God. So, the Lord speaks to me. He says, break up with your girlfriend. I said, devil, get behind me in Jesus' name. And I'll tell you why. Because at the time, she was the first good girl that I ever dated. Never dated a girl like her. I was like, man, it's like, Lord, we've just held hands. I was like, this is like someone you want to take to your mom. Like, it's like valedictorian and all this stuff. 
good girl. She's actually helping me get in church. Like, what is this? Are you serious? He says, break up with her. This is fine. Okay. Because she had my heart. Drove over there, broke up with her. Driving home, I'm worshiping God at the top of my lungs, singing. I got it in, in the uh, radio. It's Michael W. Smith, Above All. I'm in there lifting my hands. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that song. Man, it's, you need to listen to it. It's like, above all powers. I'm not going to try and sing it. I'll save you. So I'm worshiping, and all of a sudden, I'm driving, and I feel the same thing that when I was driving down here. That it's like a, all of a sudden, you're driving, and then all of a sudden, God's in the place. God's in your car, and you know it's God. I, that's the funny thing I like about God is when he walks in a room, you don't have to introduce who he is. You know God's in the room. So I'm driving, and the power of God it hits me, and I begin to swerve, and I pull into my driveway, and it gets so heavy that I just fall over in the truck. And all of a sudden, it's like this yell from the inside starts coming out. Then I'm crying. Then I'm laughing. Then I'm yelling. Then I'm crying. Then I'm laughing. And after about an hour or so goes by, that yell starts to sound like a language. And all of a sudden, in my mind, my unrenewed mind, I'm like, oh, First, I was like, I'm going crazy. Then when I heard it starting to sound like with language, I'm like, I'm getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm like, that's what this is right now. I'm getting filled with the Holy Spirit. After about an hour or two goes by, I get up and finally wipe my eyes and I get out of the car. I'm like, Lord, what was that? Go in the house. And then the next morning I wake up Then he tells me some more instructions on what I need to do with my life. But when I receive that, Everything in my life changed. Everything. Now, when I could pray for somebody, it wasn't just me saying a prayer for them. Something actually began to happen to that person. It's like one time I was up in uh, New York, and I prayed for this person that had a broken wrist. Never prayed for someone before. They said, hey, you can pray for people to get healed too. I'm like, man, I'm just so young in the Lord. I'm like, is there anything that God can't do? Well, yes, there's nothing that God can't do except lie because he's not a liar. So I prayed for this lady that had a broken wrist. She couldn't go to the doctor, she, so she just had a brace on. I'm there at a skate park, prayed. All of a sudden, I said, take off the brace. I said, move it. Start moving it a little bit. I said, move it some more. Like their friends that were standing there saying, man, you couldn't do that before. I said, move it some more. So now she rolls it, and it goes pop. And she's like, ah. Oh. And I start backing away. I'm like, oh, it didn't work. All right. <laughs> And all of a sudden, she comes back up. It's like, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. I was like, are you kidding me? She's like, I was like, don't lie to me. Seriously. She's like, no, no, look, I can move it. I don't need it anymore. And then literally, right when that happened, there was like an atheist group that was walking by that I just tried witnessing to. I, I grabbed them. I said, hey, look. I said, tell them what God just did. And then they ended up getting saved because of that healing. Powerful stuff. Never seen this stuff in my life until I received the Holy Spirit. But you don't have to be somebody special. I used to be the worst of the worst of the worst. I'll tell you just a little bit more. This is the first time talking to you, so I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in on who I am. Who's this crazy farmer talking to me? The son of a farmer. So I used to be the guy that would throw the parties in the school. I used to be the guy that was always cutting up in class. It's like I had a, a rap sheet. You could look at my record stacked. I still think maybe one day I could go back there and try and get it just so I can hold it up and show you, like, people, like, how many referrals and stuff that I got over the years. So, used to throw the parties. 
one night, I got so drunk that I had alcohol poisoning. My friends left me in the field by myself. Nowhere to go, by myself, alcohol poisoning. Then I'm like, I'm going to die. I felt my heart begin to slow down. It's like, it's like literally I felt my body shutting down. I saw my veins were red. And you know when your veins are red and then it hits your heart, you're done. Even if they take you to the hospital, you're done. So I knew I was dying because I knew I drank way too much. I shouldn't have did that. I'm by myself. I couldn't get to a hospital even if I tried. No cell phone, no nothing. So now I'm just in the field by myself on my hands and knees. And all of a sudden, I used to think I was crazy and I would never tell anybody. But then getting around uh, my wife's family, it actually encouraged me a little bit. Because you hear Evangelist Jonathan talk about an angel. And I'm like, man, you know what? I guess I can talk about it too. So I don't know what time is it. What time is it? Okay. You, who give me five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. Okay. Thanks. Great. All right. So, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> no, I'll wrap it up here. I'm almost done. I'm just following the Lord. I'm here to encourage you this morning. I'm here to stir your heart this morning. Amen. I'm here to, that, that fire that's already in the inside of you, I'm just here to throw some more wood on the inside of it. Amen. So I'm there, and all of a sudden, I see an angel. But it was different than the one that my cousin-in-law received. The the one my cousin-in-law received commissioned him in the ministry. The one that I saw saved my life. Because it said three words. It said, call on him. Remember to this day. I'm on my hands and knees in the swamp. Jesus. Call on him. And instantly, I remembered everything that my mother used to tell me when I was growing up. She said, if you're ever in trouble... Always call on the name of Jesus, and he'll come and he'll save you. So I begin to scream it at the top of my lungs. Jesus! Jesus! As loud as I possibly can. My voice was starting to go, and then I said these words. I said, if you save me, I'll serve you. Instantly. It's like that angel took a bucket and dumped something from the top of my head to my feet, and then it hit me in the back of the head, probably because I was a young retard to wake me up, and instantly, as soon as that thing hit me, I was sober, as sober could be, and I rolled on my back, and I looked at the stars, and the moon was out, and I remember it to this day, hallelujah, and I just lay there, and I cried, and I cried, I said, thank you for saving me, Lord, thank you for saving me, Lord, thank you for saving me, Lord, that was my only prayer that I could pray for the longest, thank you for saving me, thank you for saving me, thank you for saving such a, a, a wicked young man like me, such a rebellious young man, such a, 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 a hellion they would call me. And then the other night when I was standing in that field, Jesus, and I found that bird, that same moon was in the sky, and that same presence was still with me to this day. It's never left. It's not going to leave. It, it doesn't matter what country I go to. That presence follows me. And I'm telling you this morning, you can receive that presence. You might have felt it before. You might never have felt it. This morning is your morning. Because it doesn't matter who you are. He found me in the mud full of alcohol. And he grabbed this rebellious young boy and pulled him out of the mud. Now I'm going around the world preaching the gospel. You don't have to go around preaching the gospel. But God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. So he can help you overcome and be victorious in this life. Amen. Because every person that the Holy Spirit comes upon is victorious. Look at David. The Holy Spirit came upon him as a boy. 
he killed the giant. Then everybody that got around David killed a giant. They're his mighty men, they killed all the giants. Easily. Only two times were weapons used. They killed the giants with their bare hands. David and his mighty men. The Holy Spirit makes you a giant killer. He makes you unstoppable. He makes you attractive to the world to draw them so they can be saved. He makes you a sign and a wonder to your family. Everything is through the Holy Spirit. We receive Him. He seals us unto salvation. He fills us. He flows through us. Jesus. It's all through Him. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. I worship You, Lord. I praise You, Heavenly Father. I worship You. The Holy Spirit makes you victorious. He makes you victorious. He is the difference maker in your life. You've been wondering, I told you to shout, I'm expecting a miracle at the beginning. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings that miracle to pass in your life. It doesn't matter what you're believing for, if it's a healing, if it's something happening financially, if it's a lost child or a loved one, something's happening in your life, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit will come in and cause you to be victorious in that area. But you have to open your heart and say, God, I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty. God, I need more of you. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. You have to get hungry. You have to get thirsty. Because there's more. There's always more. You can't settle. And I know you've received it, but I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you that there is more. There's a chart that I saw that God gave your pastor and I'm telling you, it's a vision from heaven. And when I look at that thing, I don't know if he's watching now or not, but I was looking at it the other day just on my phone, and what I saw is I saw a wheel within a wheel within a wheel within a wheel. Hallelujah. It's a stirring. It's a stirring. I'm, I'm stirring you this morning. I'm stirring you this morning. Just like the angel would do, he would come down and he would stir the waters. He'd stir the waters. But the people that were sitting around the waters, they were expecting something. They were sitting there. They were waiting. They were expecting to receive something from God. To receive every, anything that they needed. They were waiting for someone to push them in or to jump in first. But there first had to be a stirring. There's a stirring happening in this church. I prophesy, even here, there's a stirring happening in the communities around Albemarle. There's a stirring happening in the Spirit. And God, I'm telling you, just like that wheel, it's the stir. It's the stir. But who's the stir? Who's the spoon that God uses to stir? It's you. It's this church. It's you. It's you. It's you. God's sending you out to go and stir and go through the community and reap the harvest of souls before Jesus comes. Amen? You're the stir. You're the person that God's used. He's looking for someone to fill with His Spirit that says, you know what? I know I got work. I know I got the, all these other things, but I got this Holy Spirit on the inside of me who's given me a passion for the lost, who's leading me to go out. I'm setting stuff aside. I'm taking vacation to do it. I'm linking up with the vision of the house. I'm not trying to go start my own ministry because I'll tell you this. I'm not even a five-fold minister yet. I'm just what the Bible calls an encourager. But I'm not trying to be a five-fold minister. I'm just doing what God tells me to do. You don't have to go and start your own ministry. You can link up and do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do because that's where you'll see the greatest blessing. Because I'm telling you, the person that helps a minister, that helps a five-fold minister, reaps the same reward. Hallelujah. 
Man, it doesn't matter about titles or anything. It's about doing what God tells you to do. It's about doing specifically what He is destined for you to do. So you can lay your head down, and when you go home or Jesus comes back, you can, it can be said of you just like it was said of David. They completed all that I had for them to do on the earth. That's my prayer. God, I want to do everything that you have for me to do. I don't want to leave one person on the table. I don't want to leave one miracle on the table. I don't want to leave one thing that you had for me behind. I want everything that you have for me. And I know that you want the same thing. You want to receive everything that God has for you. You don't want to leave anything behind. Jesus. I'm telling you, the anointing's here. It doesn't take much to preach in this church because the anointing's constantly flowing here. That's why the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro through America, even looking for a church, a group of people that He can come and anoint and have a great grace and blessing upon that He can send out to go and reap the harvest of souls. How many churches are on the corner? How many churches are in America? But who will take the time to go out and say, you know what, I'm going to hook up with the heart of God. I'm going to hook up with the Holy Spirit and get out there and go after the lost. I'm going to go find and knock on the door right before someone commits suicide because they overdose. Talk about the heart of God for a second. I've been with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, and we've traveled all over America, and there have been times, literally, where we knock on the door right before someone kills themselves or overdoses. There's been times where, literally, we go into a nursing home, and there's this little lady, and she's laying on the bed. No family, no one there. And all of us, she's just groaning. Ooh. Ooh. And we have a saying. We say, shake them and wake them. Because they're just laying there. They're just sleeping because they have nothing to do. So I grabbed her leg. They, they shook her. They woke her up. And then all of a sudden, she rolls over. She says these words. She says, my soul is lost. My soul is lost. The soul went her letter to the Lord. It's like the a grace came on her to pray the prayer of salvation, to receive Jesus. And then right after, she went right back into it and rolled over. But she wasn't moaning anymore. It's like there was a peace that came on her. And that soul winner went down the, the hall of that nursing home. And then by the time they finished the last door and they were coming back, they were wheeling out a gurney from the room of the old lady where they just led her to the Lord. That soul winner, led by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, with the passion of God in their heart that took the time to go and say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of what my ministry that I'm a part of is doing. I'm going to go out there and pray for people that I've never met that don't care about me, that don't know me, that don't do anything for me. I'm going to take my time and go after them. And they went there and they snatched that old lady right before. I'm telling you, nursing homes are like the bus stop to eternity. They snatched her right out of the pit of hell moments before she died. That's what God is going to use you to do. Amen? Amen? I'm telling you, there's an anointing here touching people's hearts, stirring people to win the lost. Amen? Amen? God is going to use this church to shake this area. Get ready in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what time it is. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you, you experience the presence of God, you can care less what, what else is going on. Because more can happen for you in five minutes in the presence of God than what ten years of counseling could do. God could do for you in two minutes what doctors could never do for you. Amen? 
It takes us expecting a miracle. Every time we come to church, we expect to receive a word from God. Guess what can happen? I'll tell you this. Pastor Brian could come in. He has a flesh body just like this. Maybe, let's say, I'm telling you, it probably won't happen, but let's say he's tired and he's getting up in the pulpit, but you come expecting to receive a miracle. And guess what happens? Your faith and you pulling on that miracle all of a sudden supercharges him and releases a word fresh from heaven directly for your situation. And you receive your miracle. One person can change the flow. One person can change a community. Hallelujah. The woman at the well, she was sitting there, offered water to drink, but she didn't know that she was going to receive something that would make her never thirst again. That one lady went out from there when she had an encounter, and literally, her whole city, she told all the men in the city and drew them to come see Jesus. One. One. Imagine if we had an army that would march. We got the map. We got the strategy. We got it downloaded from heaven. All we have to do is get out and go execute it. We have to get out and go take the cities. They're laying their force. The Bible says, it says, Give me the heathen for my inheritance in the other most parts of the world. We have to pray that prayer. I'll tell you one quick last testimony, and then I'll I'll wrap it up. I was in St. Lucia down there. And I'm telling you, I don't don't even really have a ministry right now. I'll I'll just tell you this. I'm like at the starting start point. I'm I'm, I'm at the block gate of a horse getting ready to go and run, okay? So... I get to St. Lucia, had a, a door open down there. I get there, and then I'm at this small, tiny little church up in the hills in St. Lucia. It's a third world country. I get there. I get to the service, and kind of like this morning, God changes my message. He says, preach on fruitfulness. So I preach on fruitfulness. When I'm heading there, they call me, and they tell me the pastor's wife had an emergency, and they rushed her to the hospital. I said, okay. That's all they told me. I said, okay. Get to the service, I start preaching. Then I say, you know what, we're going to pray for pastor's wife right now. The Lord gives me a word. He says, complications are becoming uncomplicated now in Jesus' name. About 20 minutes later, the pastor leaves, runs. I'm not going to cause a big scene. I'm like, okay. He just leaves the building. All right. Come to find out later when they finish the service, her water broke before the service. And the baby was way too small to be delivered. And the hospital's there. If something like that happens, there's, it's not a good chance for the baby. And basically, it's like a death sentence. She had already lost one child before. So this would be her second miscarriage. When we prayed that, her water already broke. And I didn't know anything about birthing and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a guy from central Florida. I don't, I've never studied anything about it. But I know when the water breaks, hey, that's, the baby's going to come. So they take her to the hospital. The doctors are getting ready for like an emergency delivery and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden they, they check again and her womb refilled with water. Refilled and it saved the baby's life. Hallelujah. Getting ready to be delivered soon. A full grown baby. Everything's perfect with the birth so far. And it's going to be a perfect birth too. But her womb refills. Tell me how that happens but by the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Later that week, I pray for a lady. She hit her nerves, and the nerves in her hand were dying. Her hand was seized up just like this. Couldn't move her hand. We prayed. We anointed everybody with oil. And then I grabbed her hand and started working her hand. 
It's like Brother Ted Shuttlesworth said, senior, he says, you got to work the miracle sometimes. And I've seen him grab a guy and work that knee, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it was like he was talking to me there in the shirt. I began to work that hand back and forth, and all of a sudden her hand loosed, and strength came back into her hand. She started squeezing my hand, actually started hurting, and was able to give me a high five before we left. God saved her hand. But check out the cool thing here is I'm a nobody when it comes to ministry-wise. I'm the first time, first time I'm ever in this country. And the word from that miracle got out that the prime minister of St. Lucia heard about it. I told you about von Furen. Ordinary men and ordinary people. So that Saturday before I'm flying home, the prime minister invites me to come to his house and have breakfast with him. I get up, I start praying. All of a sudden, I feel like an attack from the enemy trying to stop the meeting. Because he starts, he got like three emergency calls and wasn't able to meet. So I started praying, I started praying. Now, I've waited, and my flight's getting ready to leave, so we drive down. All of a sudden, I get a call on my phone. Stephen? I said, hello? Yeah, who's this? It's Alan Shastney, Prime Minister of St. Louis. Oh, this is an important call. How are you, sir? Like, how'd you get my number? It's a little creepy. He sends me to his VIP at the airport, waiting. He's like, now, I'm a nobody, but because of a miracle, the head of a country is rushing, trying to meet with me. So I'm sitting in this VIP room. All of a sudden, I get another call. He's not able to make it. He's at the top of the country. I'm at the bottom. And he can't stop the plane because he doesn't own them. So we have a conversation over the phone. And I asked him some big things for St. Lucia. And there's some big things in the work, works. But I'm telling you, one person can cause a change. Amen? God has a destiny for you that all you have to do is step out into it. God has some things planned for this area in North Carolina that will shock you. Who's wanting to be shocked this morning? Say, shock me. Shock me, Lord. Shock us. Hallelujah. But before I go any further, I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. Now, Father, I've done what you've asked me to do this morning. I pray that you anoint your word. Let there be a mighty anointing on it. And, Father, that Every ear that it fell on today, Father, would receive it. Every heart would receive it. Lord, that not one person will leave this place the same way they came. But, Father, I thank you for every person in here, that they're precious to you, that you love them, that every person, no matter what they come from, they are expecting to receive something from you. That's why they're here this morning on a Sunday morning. Father, you know who they are. You know every life. But I'm going to give three calls this morning. If you're in here and you've never had a time where you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't remember a time where you came to an altar and you said, Jesus, come into my heart, fill me. I accept you as my Lord. You don't remember a time where you've ever done that. Or maybe if you'd lay your head down on the pillow tonight and you weren't, you weren't to wake up in the morning, you don't know for sure that you'd spend eternity in heaven. You don't have 100% certainty that, you know what, if something happened to me, I know I'm going to heaven. Or there's a second call. Maybe you're in here, and you love the Lord, 
but something has happened in your life. You were filled with the Holy Spirit. You love the Lord, but man, it's like been attack after attack after attack, and it's, it's, it's hit your faith, and it's rocked you, and you need a helping hand. Maybe it's like been an outward thing that everybody could see, everybody knows about, and you can't get free from it. Maybe it's a, an addiction that you've had over the years. You're like, man, I just I can't seem to shake this thing. Something's happened. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one, a sudden divorce, loss of a job. Something happened, and it rocked your faith, and it rocked your faith in God. Or maybe it's something that, that no one can see on the outside. Maybe it's something on the inside, and maybe the hidden sins of the heart. Maybe anger, lust, jealousy, unforgiveness, bitterness, something that's in your heart, and you need to get it right with God this morning. This calls for you. Or maybe there's a third call. You're in here, and you love God, but you're not sure of your salvation. The devil's been lying to you, telling you you're really not saved. Do you remember all those things that used to happen, used to do, all the things that happened to you? How could God ever love you? How could God ever use you? A third calls for you. Now, while all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed, no one's looking around, I'm, I'm going to say a prayer for you and with you. If that's you on any of those three calls and you want me to pray for you, go ahead and slip your hand with no one looking around on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands. Thank you. 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 Hands all over the place. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, you can go ahead and look at me. Anybody in this section right here, you, you didn't raise your hand a second ago, but your heart was pounded or, or maybe something held your hand down and you say, you know what, Stephen, I want you to include me in the prayer you're going to pray. Just slip your hand up right now and say, include me in that prayer. Anyone? Same for this aisle. You say, I should have raised my hand, but I didn't raise my hand, but you want me to include you in the prayer I'm going to pray. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone here, you should have raised your hand, but you didn't. Something held it back. You want me to include you. Say, pray for me. Thank you. Anyone here in this section, you should have raised your hand, but you didn't. You want me to include you in the prayer I'm going to pray with you and for you. Say, pray for me. Thank you. Amen. Now, real quick, now why we do this is because Jesus commissioned it in the Bible. He said, if you confess me before men, he says, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Amen. Now, you say, what part of the service are we in? We're in the most important part. Amen. So I'll just ask you, just hang with me just a, a few minutes longer because God's going to do some things in some people's lives. Amen? Now, if you're here and you raise your hand for any of those three calls for any reason, I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm going to say a prayer with you and for you. Go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand. Give them a round of applause as they stand. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Now, go ahead. Now, I want everybody that, that's standing, go ahead and come down here. It doesn't matter what you're coming down here for. One prayer fits all. Amen. Go ahead and come forward. I'm going to say a prayer with you and for you. You can go ahead and just come right here. Just kind of bunch up together. Bunch up together. Y'all down there, go ahead and squeeze all together. We'll fit you down here. Hallelujah. Isn't this wonderful? Amen. Amen. I'm glad you came this morning. Amen. Now I'm going to say a prayer for you. There's one prayer that fits all. It doesn't matter what you came down here for. God knows the reason, and he, He's going to work in that area of your life. But I'm going to ask you to lift your right hand to heaven because that's where your help comes from. 
I'm going to give you the words to say because there's, some, there's probably some people up here. They don't know what to pray. So I'm going to give you the words to pray. So let's go ahead and just say this all together. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. I heard that you have more, and I want it. But first, I ask you to forgive me of any sin that I've sinned against you. I thank you that my sin is paid for, that I am forgiven. I forgive everyone that's ever hurt me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. I believe God raised you from the dead on the third day, and I believe you're coming back again for me. God, I ask you, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me never be the same. Take out my stony heart and give me a brand new heart of flesh. Wash me in your blood. Father, give me a passion for you and a hunger and a boldness to live for you. Right now, I confess. I am saved. I am born again. I am forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and give the, a great round of applause to the Lord. Go ahead and give Him a shout out there in the crowd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what it's all about. God is more concerned about your heart than anything else in your life. And having your heart right towards Him. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how long you've been in church, how little you've been in church. God is concerned about your heart. Amen? Hallelujah. Now I'm going to say a prayer for you. Go ahead and lift your hands. Father, I thank you for every precious person that's come to this altar today. Just like my mom would seal strawberry jam when I was a child and still does. She seals it so nothing can get in the jar and pollute the strawberry jam. Father, I pray that you seal every precious one up here this morning by your blood and by your spirit that not one of them would be missing on that day, but all would be there to rejoice together with you for eternity. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I thank you for it. Hallelujah.